Kids love movies. If you're a young person who can't see or can't see well, Audio Description provides access to the visual images that sighted kids enjoy. The benefits of Audio Description in Education Baby Contest, sponsored by ACB's Audio Description Project and the Described and Captioned Media Program, wants those kids to experience Audio Description and then tell us about it. You have a chance to win prizes for yourself and your teacher. Just go to www.badycontest.org, B-A-D-I-E, contest.org, and keep on enjoying audio description. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. And as always, those horns really get me jazzed up and ready to go for a good show. You heard at the top before the disclaimer, the the commercial for the baddies. And we're going to be talking to Dr. Joel Snyder in a few minutes. But I want to do a pop-up question. Dr. Snyder, has anyone ever asked you if you are the brother or related to the Mr. Movie Phone guy? <laughs> actually this is a first no no one has ever asked me that but uh, i'd love to be the movie phone guy uh, you know can you get me an audition or <laughs> i i will throw some feelers out there seems there to be, if go. i try to make something happen it happens and i i am a huge movie person and and a couple of years ago before the internet exploded the way it did you'd have to call into you know certain uh theaters and things and there was that right. mr movie phone guy that would press seven for pretty woman press eight for meryl streep's whatever new movie i think it was more like press seven for Mer press eight for uh, <clears throat> something like that there you go <laughs> so every <laughs> this is all about audio description and we are going to have some fun but first i want to introduce you and get to know a little bit our panelists we have miss susan glass susan welcome to sunday edition for the first time thank you so much it's delightful to be here tell us a little bit about yourself how you uh, came to acb and the committees you work on etc cetera, etc cetera. Oh, sure. Well, I, I came to ACB in 2006. Um, I um, was in the middle of my teaching career and going through some big life changes. And uh, a dear friend who is now my husband, isn't that how things work sometimes, um, told me about Lovely. ACB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, told me about the conventions. And so I went to my uh, first conference in 2006 and have been going ever since. Um, I have enjoyed the many friendships I've made. I've been involved in the American Association of Blind Teachers affiliate. I was president for a while there. And um, along with uh, Steve Dresser, uh, we co-edit a newsletter for that affiliate called The Blind Teacher. Um, I've also worked with Friends in Art. And for a while I was editing that newsletter the log of the bridge tender 
Um, mm. And I'm very excited about uh, the, the Guide Dog Users, Inc., the Guide Dog Affiliate. But what really is wonderful about uh, conventions, of course, are the friendships we make um, and the, the long-term connections and uh, learning that we, that we take away with us. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been uh, involved in audio description indirectly since 2010 when I attended a seminar that Dr. Snyder gave. And it was, it was actually for blind and visually impaired attendees. And it was about audio description and what makes it work and what kinds of things to listen for. And we were very involved in Asked to Listen. And I had heard some audio description on WGBH Boston prior to that, but it just wasn't a, a huge part of my life. And after that, I it was kind of like that per perfect cup of espresso. You can't stop once you start. And um, I, I absolutely love all things audio described, uh, especially live performances, uh, yeah. museums, um, parks, uh, but, but movies, you know, bring it on, whatever it is, it, it is the culture. So uh, that's kind of my, how I, how I ended up here, I guess. Um, I do know that you've been involved with Vista Center. Do you want to tell us a little about that as well? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Vista Center for Blind and Low Vision um, has been um, in Palo Alto, California since I want to say the late 1930s, but I've been involved. I'm, I've only been involved for about six years. I serve on the board of directors and my husband, John Glass, is president of the board of directors. And what we do is we provide a full range of services for uh, blind people and people with low vision from youth services, such as orientation mobility, which of course is also for adults, and also um, uh, reading, writing, instruction, braille instruction, uh, TVI programs, and so on. We have a, a suite of social services to help people who are undergoing vision changes. How do you fix the lighting in your home so that you can see well? Um, how do you make adaptions to technology? We have some wonderful technology specialists. We have eye clinics that give people more in-depth eye exams than they would ordinarily get at their local um, uh, ophthalmologist. And um, when it's kind of a one-stop shop, you know, ideally you go in for your eye exam or for some other reason and you leave feeling that you have a whole new suite of skills and people behind you and, and supporting you. And um, I think that's really, really important. And I, I think of one client who left the office one day saying, I can keep my job. I can keep my job. And, you know, those are the yeah. kind of things that we, that we really like to hear. So I'm a minor player. I'm, I'm on the board and I do a little help with the, the program reviews each, each year, but it's just a pleasure to be part of the team. Well, I, I have featured um, in, in various conversations, Vista Center before on um, Sunday edition. And, and it seems, it seems the model is, is really, really, really well done. Um, so I definitely wanted to mention, wanted you to mention it again. I am curious, uh, I'm holding a series of, of uh, Sunday editions, one a month about losing sight midlife. Does the Vista Center address the grieving process? Yes, we do. Uh, through support groups, mainly, you know, people get together and share the grieving process. They share you know, I mean, the grieving process is everything from I can't see the deer on the road anymore to I can't even get the toothpaste on the toothbrush, right? You know, yes. 
to to people are treating me differently or I feel differently about how people are treating me. And we do have those workshops. And I might add that even during COVID, um, we have continued to serve clients, albeit uh, long distance, um, through through Zoom calls, through individual one-on-one, hello, how are you doing calls, interactions with staff and, and so on. Um, but yes, and that's such an important part of you know, grief is as faithful as a dog and it'll stay with you. And the only way you can really um, get it to be friendly is to make friends with it. So uh, exactly. I'm glad you're doing yes. that. Thank you. So listeners, February 7th with Tyson Ernst and a couple of other special guests. Susan, please feel welcome to join us as well. Sure. Uh, we'll be addressing losing sight midlife, the grieving process and how to maximize reaching out for the services and the skills that you will need. But I digress, Susan, before I go to, before I ask you actually to introduce Jason, I would be very remiss on an audio description show not to ask you, what is one or two of your favorite audio description titles and what audio description event at one of the various conventions has been your favorite? I think one of the one of the most uh, one of the most wonderful audio description events was, uh, and the title is escaping me. Uh, perhaps Joel can help. It's it's the the film that we saw about the man who was um, kidnapped and sold into African American slavery. Twelve years a slave. Thank you, Joel. Thank there you. you. I, I, I may not well, remember that... the title, but I remember the description, um, and I remember it for. A couple of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> I do one, too. Poor <laughs> Joel does too, because because what happened was that the computer that had the described film um, mysteriously disappeared, and we were going to need to watch it watch it without description. And the film started, and there were Joel's beautiful tones um, describing the opening scenes. And uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, he's doing this live. And um, I'm, I'm sure that was not your favorite evening. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it shows that you are a consummate professional because you were able to do that. Um, and so I, you know, I, I really uh, did, uh, did uh, enjoy that. And so that was, that was one of um, my favorite events, I think. Well, thank you, Susan. That's very sweet. That is an ACB, ACB Voices blog in the making, the night that you had to audio describe oh, on boy. the fly. I right. like that. <laughs> I had seen the movie in the movie theater once about a month earlier, so I had a little familiarity with it, but it's not the way I prefer to do audio description. Well, it, 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 was, it was wonderful, and I remember the scenes vividly, so thank you. Susan, would you do the honors of introducing Jason? Absolutely. Um, it, it, is, it is my profound pleasure to introduce uh, Mr. Jason Stark, uh, CEO and Director of Described and Captioned Media Programs. Um, Jason and I also met at some early uh, conventions, and um, he, uh, what, what I will never forget was a paper that, that Jason gave about how audio description and captioning combined could improve the language skills for uh, people who had autism, people with learning disabilities, English as second language learners, hearing impaired uh, and, and deaf people, and blind people and people with low vision. And he covered the range of 
how adding description to educational videos could actually improve not only the cultural knowledge that young people had, but also their connections with the world around them and their understanding and their vocabulary uh, and their, their command of, of reading and writing. And there's a lot of data to, to, to support all this. Um, and I was just blown away, Jason, when you, when you uh, gave that information. And Jason and DCMB have been uh, a phenomenal partner with the Audio Description Project and the Beatty Contest. And each year they improve uh, our interface, uh, featuring our students, the criteria for how to get students and teachers involved. Um, they can reach thousands of, of teachers and they, they really are a powerful, powerful um, media source for us. And I think that the best person to tell you more about that is Jason himself. So Jason, it's, it's uh, such a privilege to have you as a friend and, and a colleague and uh, delightful to, to be talking with you this morning. Thank you so much, Susan. And uh, our, our partnership with uh, ACB and uh, the Auto Description Projects has just been phenomenal for us. And uh, I, I concur with the, uh, the thoughts. I've met lots of uh, professional friends, but also personal friends. So thank you so much. Well, Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you first came to ACB, and uh, and then we'll get going with uh, talking about Beatty. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I'm the uh, the director of the Describe and Caption Media Program, and uh, DCMP for short. Uh, DCMP is a federally funded project. We're funded by the United States Department of Education. And uh, just to give a little bit of history, um, the funding actually started uh, for this, the, the umbrella of the project back in 1958. And at that point in time, um, provided funding for captioning only of entertainment films for uh, deaf clubs and, uh, and deaf adults and has uh, transformed and, and morphed throughout the years to where now we are focused entirely on um, educational content, and, uh, and again, the funding is, is through the Department of Education. So um, I'm uh, formally employed by the National Association of the Deaf, uh, NAD's the organization of record that, that uh, holds this grant. And we've operated the activity since 1991. Um, so I've, I've been involved in the project for um, just about 30 years now. Uh, description was added to the project in 2006. So we already had an extensive um, library network of at that time, it was VHS tapes um, that were captioned for um, K to 12 students. And um, we just expanded that in 2006 to include um, adding description. As I'm sure um, most of the listeners are aware, uh, description in educational programming is, is almost non-existent. And um, so our project jumps in there to had that accessibility for um, students who are blind or visually impaired who otherwise would not have access to the content. So we have a, uh, an extensive um, platform. We just distribute content via our website. We have a Roku channel, we have an iOS app. And um, you know, as Susan mentioned, we, we really work hard on the, on the technical side. And one of our new features is um, an interactive transcript that includes both the text of the captions and the description. And so um, for students who might not be able to, might not have enough vision to make a, a, a motion video um, be of any benefit to them, they can actually download the text and they have you know, full access to the content, um, the spoken language 
through the captions, um, you know, intertwined with uh, with the, the the text of the description. And so um, we're always looking at ways that we can um, improve the way that we get content um, out to the students that we serve. Nice. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Susan. What um, what description programming really stands out for you? You know, the very the very first um, theatrical movie that I watched with description was Pretty Woman. Um, and wow. um, <laughs> way, way back when. And, um, you know, I was blown away. Um, I'm, I'm sighted. So I was was able to see the visuals, but it was really impactful. Um, to me, the, the the scene that I always jump to in my mind is when uh, when Julia Roberts uh, character is walking down the stairwell and, and the description of her red dress. And so yeah, you know, that that was definitely the one that that sticks in my mind um, from an educational standpoint. We you know, we we add um, all types of content. One of the series that I, I just think is just really fun that, that we have in our collection is the Magic School Bus, the original one. Um, I grew up, um, you know, watching that content and, and reading those books. And so when we were able to negotiate the rights and uh, get that content um, into our collection, I just thought that was that was great. But um, so it's I, all things, all things description. I, I just think it's it's uh, it's a great thing to have. Jason, let me let me jump in, uh, or Anthony, because uh, Pretty Woman is an interesting choice. I only say that because in in all my training sessions, when I train describers, um, which I've been doing for twenty some years all over the world, um, I oftentimes will show uh, a scene from Pretty Women, Pretty Woman, as WGBH described it, and then I show it as the RNIB, the Royal National Institute mm -hmm. for Blind People. They at one point did a good did, bit of description, they described it. And then I have it without any description and so students can work on it. But it's especially nice to be able to compare two description providers and how they do the description, uh, particularly uh, from uh, across the pond and then here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, it's, I, I'm kind of surprised, the universe works in, in strange ways sometimes. <laughs> um, audio description, uh, excuse me, Pretty Woman is one of um, one of my favorite films. Back from when I had sight and watching it, I've actually heard both versions, um, ah. you know, <laughs> and, and I was amazed, A, by the, the scene that Jason just just talked about, but also, uh, you know, the whole polo match and, and, you know, the description there was so well done. And I, of course, um, always throw in my favorite television series that has been audio described up to this point is Grace and Frankie from Netflix. Oh my amazing, gosh. Amazing work. <laughs> But um, that's <laughs> that's a I digress moment, Doctor Joel. As you know, I think at this point anybody listening knows a lot about you. But um, let's do a quick, quick sum up of who Doctor Joel is. Real. Well, the program's only two hours, Anthony. Isn't it? <laughs> how can I? How can I possibly? Well, I've been working with description since its uh, inception as an ongoing service, which happened in the Washington D.C. area, uh, which is where I'm based. Um, it happened. Uh, it started with um, a theater, live theater, uh, under the. Uh, uh, direction and leadership of uh, Dr. Mar Margaret Fanchdiel, who uh, was blind woman, um, and um, also involved Ted Avery, a blind man uh, who had 
experimented with and wanted to try to get description going through the Department of Education even earlier in the 60s and 70s. But uh, so I've been fortunate to work with it all since since then uh, in all different genres through my own company, Audio Description Associates. And uh, through that company, I have a contract with ACB to, uh, I founded the Audio Description Project about 11 years ago uh, with the, the good leadership at ACB at the time. And since then, it has grown exponentially. Uh, so um, it, it's been a, it's been a wild, uh, a wild trip and uh, ACB um, uh, published uh, my book on audio description, The Visual Made Verbal. Verbal, in, yes. Uh, 2014. And uh, it, again, that's that's been kind of wild because it's now been uh, translated in Polish, Portuguese, Russian. It uh, was published in Braille by the Library of Congress and an audio version uh, was put out by the Library of Congress. <laughs> and um, we're just about ready to, uh, we just did a second printing of the first edition and we're just about ready to release the book. Uh, well, it'll be a couple months in Spanish which has been a long felt need and uh, Greek and Chinese versions are underway and maybe by the end of the year or early in 2022, probably in 2022, we'll, we'll work on a second edition as well. So that's a, a bit of the background there with audio description. So as listeners know, um, you know, I've done a few programs on audio description and as well as the sessions that we've done with uh, Blind Card International, I know that um, a lot of audio describe persons will say that writing and narrating uh, is very hard for um, animation and certain kind of action hmm. films. So instead of asking you what your favorite programming is, can you tell us what one or two of your most challenging audio description jobs have been? Sure. The you know that's interesting. People people will typically um, talk about films or videos when there's lots of action things are going a mile a minute a mile a minute a minute you know where, where do you how do you do that how do you squeeze the description in and uh that is a particular kind of challenge uh, some years back uh, the vitac uh, vitac which is the nation's largest captioning company is a partner of, of my company and uh, we work together on many different projects obviously they provide captions and i uh, provide description um and we 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 took on a an annual project around Halloween time where we would describe a public domain horror film of some sort and make it available at Halloween time uh, with captions and with description. And one of the ones we did was not a film so much, but it, it was a Popeye cartoon called Fright to the Finish. So it was <laughs> Halloween themed, uh, and that it's it's on the. I think it's on YouTube or Vimeo. Uh, I'd be happy to share it with anybody who would like to It is to on YouTube, it. Joe. It's on YouTube. There you go. Sure. And uh, <laughs> it is a mile a minute. I mean, it's constant action. And it's a matter of finding the most logical pauses, not just any pause. And it can be even less than a second where a word is inserted. Um, the reason it's tricky is because I believe strongly that it's not just a matter of being careful to not overlap dialogue, critical dialogue that's there. It's also important to have a sense of the film or the video or the cartoon. Where, what part does music play? What part does silence play? You wanna honor the uh, choices 
that the filmmaker has made uh, to, to a great extent possible. Um, in fact, another example would be I, I did the description for uh, two of the Star Wars films when they were broadcast nationally. Um, and I think it was um, Empire Strikes Back, for instance, when Luke is hanging from his ankles in the ice cave, uh, there's one point where there's no dialogue. In fact, there's no dialogue for about a minute there, but there's no dialogue at this one point. But in the background, you hear da 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 da. Now, they paid John Williams a lot of money to create that score. You know, who am I to be talking over John Williams' theme for Star Wars? You know, so it's careful. <laughs> you, you really need to be sensitive to that. You need to be sensitive to sound effects. Um, on the other hand, um, a, a, a clip that I use oftentimes in training is from the feature film, The Color of Paradise, for which I also provided the description and the voicing. Um, and, and the clip that I use in training is two and a half minutes with no dialogue, no dialogue whatsoever. All you hear are birds chirping and an occasional grunt maybe, or a scraping of a foot against something. And, and I let people just listen to that so they can experience it as a totally blind person might in a movie theater or at home with no description. And about 30 seconds minute in, everybody's scratching their head and looking at their watch and ready to move on. And it's like, I don't get it, what, what, what? Two and a half minutes with no dialogue whatsoever. It, that's not license for the describer to go on and on at the mouth. It's, it's still important. You have more time. It's a different kind of challenge or problem to be careful about when you place the description and what words you use and being as concise and succinct as possible. It's important to remember that no one, no one goes to a movie to experience the audio description. They want to experience the movie. And yeah. we are an enhancement, uh, a way of accommodating, uh, bringing accessibility to that film. Dr. Snyder, I am going to have to do a little bit of maintenance for a moment. Um, Jason, somehow Zoom popped the hosting over from Mr. Byron to you. Could you please uh, go into uh, the participants panel and um, assign the hosting to Byron, because we've got listeners who are in the waiting room who can't uh, who can't get in, who can't hear, et cetera. There yeah. we go. All oh, right. Good. Good. Oh, that was <laughs> that was an odd that was an odd one. I I thought you needed to do maintenance. I thought that meant you had to run to the bathroom or something. <laughs> That's all oh, right too. The fun and joys of doing a live show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you also work very closely with our other panelists. Why don't you do the honors of introducing Carl? Carl? Now, Carl? Oh, I'm teasing. And I love to tease with Carl because he's just a great friend and a great advocate for audio description. He is um, a part of the uh, city of Boston's uh, accessibility uh, division. He's the director of their efforts. I'm not, I'm not saying it quite correctly, I don't think, Carl, but uh, he's a major force in accessibility from the city of Boston in the state of Massachusetts and in the American Council of the Blind. He is the co-chair uh, with Kim Charlson 
of our steering committee for the audio description project. So I have to say nice things about him. Uh, <laughs> he, he's also he's also been he has served with me uh, on a, a couple of different I think uh, federal communications commission uh, panels, advisory committees, and he is always you know when when he talks about description. He does so so knowledgeably, and it comes with an added perspective of authority because he's a consumer of description. Uh, he has that perspective, which, you know, I, I can talk about description, but I'm an old sighted guy. Uh, but Carl really brings a special perspective to it. So it's great to have him uh, on this call. Well, Welcome, Carl. Well, thank you for the kind world, Joel. I appreciate it. So like Joe mentioned, I am the ADA coordinator for the Massachusetts Day House, and I also serve on the Boston Disability Commission. Um, I'm assuming you're going to ask me how I got into audio description. Is that where you want me to go next? <laughs> I sure am. Go ahead. All right. So it actually goes way back, and I actually have tied with the Described Caption Media Project going back as early as four or five years old almost 50 years ago. So back then, they did a service for the deaf community where they would ship 16 millimeter films and canisters to deaf clubs and deaf schools with subtitles, because at that time, captions on television didn't exist. And it was the only way you could access movies if you were deaf and hard of hearing. And I have Usher syndrome, so I am legally blind and also wear two hearing aids. So for the first five, six years of my elementary school education, I went to a deaf school and I had 20-20 vision then. And I was not talking until I was about six or seven. So on Friday afternoons at the deaf school, we would have Friday afternoons off to go watch a movie with subtitles. And that is where Susan mentioned the studies saying that it leads to reading and writing, I am totally convinced that it learned me, taught me how to read and write and eventually speak. So I fell in love with movies even at that age. And the nuns noticed it, the sisters who ran the school noticed it and wanted to encourage me because I was kind of withdrawn at that age and still struggling to learn how to speak. So they taught me how to load the projector. They taught me how to put the film in the canisters and ship them back to wherever they came from. You know, and I can remember taking the reel of film off and pulling down the strip of film and looking at all the individual cells and seeing how they were individual pieces of artwork and how they told a story visually cell by cell. And, and then when I got mainstreamed in public schools, I volunteered in all the, all the audio vid, video groups. I was a real geek. When I was in high school, before I had my license, it wasn't unusual for me to hop on my bicycle and ride 20, 25 miles to go see a film you couldn't see in the suburb, but you couldn't see in the city of Boston. And so I always had a love of film and television. And I even went to film school uh, for my undergraduate degree, even though right before I got accepted, I found out that I was going blind. And wow. so my senior year, late my senior year, I found out I was going blind. And I did but I had just gotten accepted to film school and I decided to go. So I went to undergraduate school with my film degree. And then what do you do when you're 22 years old and you have a degree in film? You go out to Hollywood. <laughs> so, sure 
And this was the last, one of the last times I drove, not the very last time, but one of the very last times I drove. Me and three of my buddies, we spent two weeks driving across the country. And I remember all those things visually. And I also remember my dad gave me like 2,000 bucks and said, this will set you up when you gave out to LA. I was so afraid to call him when I got there and said, I already blew all your money. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had been drinking and gambling and, you know, we were 22-year-old boys without no oversight for the first time in our lives, you know. So uh, a long story short, I worked on a handful of films and television shows out there, but I started to lose my vision to the point where I had to give up driving and I was having trouble on set with the lighting. And I knocked down the lights on one of the movie sets that I worked on and I destroyed the set. And obviously the producers weren't happy about it and they let me go because I wasn't really open with the fact that I was starting to lose my sight. I didn't know what to do. I did a few more things, but then I came home back to Boston because I was kind of down about losing my sight and how do I do it with my combined hearing loss. And so what I started doing is I went back to where I worked in high school, just working as an orderly in a nursing home. And for a while, I didn't know what to do. And then I started networking. And I said, I've still got to work in film and television. So I started networking. And, you know, I moved into the city so I could be independent. I became a cane user and a guide dog user. And I, and I was doing work for other places, but I still was not in film and television. And I just started networking. And I finally picked up the phone and called a guy by the name of Larry Goldberg, who ran, the, at the time, the National Center for Accessible Media and the Media Access Group, who did at what at the time was called Descriptive Video Services, DVS. And it was fairly new. It was only on PBS at the time, basically. It wasn't on the networks yet um, and that sort of thing. And he says, I don't have any. And I thought it was perfect because that department did both closed captioning for the hard of hearing and audio description. Because for many years before I lost my vision to the point where it is now, I could do both audio description and closed captioning. So I just, he said, I don't have anything but keep in touch with me. So I'd call them like every month. Finally, he says, you know what, I'm going to bring you in for an interview, and I hope you get the job because you're a pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went for the interview, and I got the job, and I became the marketing person for the media access group at WGBA. And it was there that I truly fell in love with audio description because it was an exciting time. It just started going to the network the first time around in 2001, we were doing what was then called Mopic, where it was starting to go out to the theaters. We had just done Titanic, I believe, was the first one. There might have been one before, but Titanic was our first major film in the theater. And it was just, and it was an exciting time. Now, I've since moved on, and I now do overall accessibility, not just accessibility of media. I do accessibility to state program services. But my love of audio description, and the best thing about audio description is I went for about three, four years where I didn't want TV or film at all because I was struggling to see it and I just didn't know what to do. And audio description gave me my love of film back. And the other thing of film and television back that I had as a child, my enthusiasm and the other, and storytelling. And the other thing it does is it allows me to simply 
relax and watch a movie or go out on a date with my wife. She know my wife, if anybody knows my wife, Megan, she puts a lot of pressure on herself to make sure I'm enjoying whatever we're doing. Because she knows there's a dual sensory loss that can be challenging as a person with a dual sensory loss. So she but when we're watching a film or a television show or a play or going to a museum and it has audio description, she can relax and be a consumer and enjoy it like I can and we can simply enjoy it together. And that's huge. And, and that's what audio description. And as, as Joel said, I am now, I've gotten involved with ACB and some of their things, but I'm mostly proud to say I am co-chair of the audio description project, which um, is a, an arm of the American Council of the Blind to advocate for audio description quality of it. And there's a lot of exciting things going on. We have several subcommittees. We have the Section 508 committee, which has to do with um, video put out by the government and the agencies and what they're required to do. And Pat Sheehan is on the line. He's the He's the chair of that committee. We have the Performing Arts Committee with Sheila Young from Texas is the chair of, and they're doing a lot of work with museums and theater. And some of that is changing and slowed down a bit because of the pandemic, but they will be ready when that opens up again. We have the Beatty Committee with Joel and Susan. We'll talk about in more detail along with Jason. We have the Media Committee, which is personally my favorite because I'm the chair of it. And... Um, you know, there's a lot of exciting things. Stay tuned in March. We're going to be talking about HBO a lot, and we're we're currently yes. we're currently working with the Biden administration to um, explore the possibility of expanding the 21st Century Video Accessibility Act to um, take it to the next level. It's now 10 years old now, and we've taken it to its limits, and we want to see if we can enhance audio description and accessibility and other things even more. Um, so there's, a, there's just a lot of, and I know I've been talking for a lot of time, I, but there's a lot of exciting things going on. No, absolutely. And I do, uh, I do want to get back around to updating um, and talking about what may or may not be viable with the Biden administration, but we've got some We've got some other business to take care of first, but before we jump into that, one of our favorite people, Mr. Roy Samuelson joined us. Roy, did you want to uh, pop in and say hello and maybe comment on anything we've, uh, we've, we've uh, gotten to know yet? Um, I love everybody that's on this call, so <laughs> does that count? <laughs> that counts. <laughs> welcome, 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 Roy. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. So Susan, why don't you do the honors of telling us about Batty? All right, it's my my pleasure to do that. I I just want to say that two other when people were sharing their favorite audio described uh, uh, films, I loved Ghost. Try to watch Ghost without audio description and see how far you get. Um, and mm. Saving Private Ryan. There, there, I mean, there is so much stuff in there that you just have to have the description. I just wanted to throw that in that those were those were two of my early, you know, experiences that really converted me. So as someone who just who recently lost sight, I have to look at Private Ryan again. I've never seen it with audio description. You'll, you'll be to try that. You'll be quite moved. It, it, it really is powerful because I tried to watch it without it and I, I couldn't get involved at all. And then I 
watched it with, and I actually used it when I was teaching an audio description unit to my students at West Valley College, which is a topic for another day. Um, but anyway. Let, that, wait, I just want to jump in, uh, Anthony. Let me know when you're ready to uh, relive uh, Saving Private Ryan, because there is the uh, DVD or the streaming version that I think was originally produced by WGBH with description. But uh, I did the description for uh, Pro Saving Private Ryan when it was broadcast. I think it was on ABC or it was on Fox. Uh, and I, I'll get a copy of that to you so you can, you can compare. And you too, awesome. Susan. Thank <laughs> you. What, wonderful. Wonderful. That would be delightful. So Beatty or Batty stands for <laughs> the benefits of audio description in education, which is a pretty boring mouthful. If you're um, a student um, seven to 21 years old, it's much more fun to be a Batty, um, which is why we have that particular name. Um, this, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, this contest actually had its earliest form as the Young Described Film Critics Award, and it goes back at least to 2009. I know this right. because I have in front of me the list of the winners from that period, and I know <laughs> I know who's involved. So, um, and uh, at that time, the Young uh, Described Film Critics Award uh, was, I believe, mostly um, an ACB ADP venture. Um, the uh, really close partnership with Described and Captioned Media Program came along um, a good bit uh, a, a few years later. Um, around 2013 or 14, we began to, to do that. And we had several reasons. Um, we wanted to involve ACB members, their local and state affiliates, and any blind and children of low vision they knew in um, the Young Described Film Critic Award. We wanted to uh, expand, we, we wanted more contestants to, to enter. And so um, this was uh, when Dan Spoon was president, I'm, I'm pretty sure. We formed our Beatty Task Force. And I do want to give a shout out to the people who participate in that because they're such wonderful, beloved ACB members. Sheila Young uh, is a part of that task force. Donna Brown, who taught for many years at the School for the Blind in uh, Romney, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Margie Donovan, who works for the Veterans uh, Administration in California, or did. Mar shout out to Margie. Apology if I'm speaking in error uh, in any way. Um, most recently, uh, Mr. Scott McCallum joined us from the Washington School for the Blind. Um, and uh, Leslie Spoon is a part of our task force now. Um, Carl is a part of it by virtue of his co-directorship of the audio description project. Um, Joel and Jason are um, on that team and I'm on that team. And Kim is when she can, when she can make it. Kim Charlson checks in with us too. And our goals have been many, but one of the first thing we did, one of the first things we did was to look at how we could make the contest as interesting as possible for kids. And um, we decided that one of the things we really needed were, were categories and prizes, because if you're going to enter a contest, you want to win some cool stuff. Um, and the next thing we decided, or maybe it was a concurrent decision, was that we wanted to have categories of entries so that children who were entering an essay writing contest about audio description were competing against children in their category. And so we now have four categories. We have our sophomores, 
which are children ages uh, seven to 10. We have juniors, which are children ages 11 to 15. We have seniors, uh, young people ages 16 to 21. And we have um, the, oh golly, what is the name of our fourth category? Um, um, alternative assessment. Alter yeah, Al alternative assessment. Thank you so much, Jason. Um, and that is for students who, because of various cognitive and perhaps multiple disabilities might not matriculate through the school system in quite the same way and might not be working at grade level and be eligible for testing in math and verbal ability the way others might. But nevertheless, they watch movies and they have things to say about them and they want to participate. And we wanted to make sure we had an ungraded category for those students. Nice. And, and, and so, because um, everybody wants to watch movies um, and everyone wants to play. And so we, um, we have the, the, the four categories and um, all of this information is now very easy for everyone to find at uh, BadyContest.org, uh, B-A-D-I-E-C-O-N-T-E-S-T.org. This is part of the DCMP website and Listening is Learning Initiative. And uh, wow, Jason's team has done so much to make sure that winning essays appear there, that teachers have immediate access to become uh, DCMP subscribers so that they can order from the more 8,000 educational films that they want to, that they want their students to receive or, or enjoy. Um, the uh, contest information is there. Students are, are directed, told exactly what they will need to do, that they need to watch uh, an educational film or it can be another film that they can borrow from another source and they need to write a review, 300 words in length, not so much about the film, but about the quality of the audio description, where it enhanced their learnings, which phrasing enhanced their learning, uh, what they felt about the voice quality, where they thought that, the, uh, that it really added and detracted. And on the site, there is a section, and I can actually read this to folks if you would like me to, because I have all these files open on my computer here. Uh, there, there is a section that is the criteria for, for what we're looking for in audio description. We want it objective, we want it complete, um, and what, what each of those criteria mean. And then there's a, 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 a tips for writing audio description um, that talks about writing in the present tense, um, having fun with your description, um, dishing the dirt as well as what you liked, saying what, what you found um, difficult or distracting about the description or offering suggestions. Um, and it's a, it's a very nice uh, little primer in, in, in how to be a writer, getting it done on time, not procrastinating, no cheating, it has to be your words and so on. And this is all available for teachers and students um, to access at the DCMP portal. So they go in, they can do it as a class, they can do it with parents, parents can help sign up um, and um, students can, can participate in the, in the contest in that way. This year, our contest deadline is Monday, March 15th. We are not superstitious. We do not worry about the Ides of March. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, we, um, 
we, uh, our committee, the, the wonderful people I, I told you about uh, a moment ago, will collect all of the uh, essays. They can be submitted online or through a, uh, an actual mailing address. And by the way, they can, they can be entered in large print, braille, uh, as computer file, um, even as voice recording. We have actually had audio entries from some of our students, which has been fun. What yes. will happen is that once the entries are in, Joel and Jason will distribute them to the committee and we will form mini teams who wants to read the sophomore essays, who wants to read the junior essays, who will read the, the, uh, the senior essays and who will read the alternate assessment. And we come up with a first, second and third prize in each of those categories. And from all of those, our teams then select a grand prize winner for the entire contest. That grand prize winner receives an iPad mini and his or her classroom teacher receives, uh, I believe it's $100 uh, gift um, certificate for classroom supplies, uh, Amazon and so on. The uh, other uh, first, uh, second and third place winners receive $50, $25 gift certificate cards um, and, um, and prizes. And the, the winning grand prize winner it's tradition that she or he uh, tries to read the essay at the ACB National Conference and Convention. One year we had one of our winners, Mr. Townsend Stemple, read at the Mid-Year President's Meeting and Legislative Seminar. But we always like our students to have that special audience uh, and, and receive accolades and, and welcome from the entire ACB community. It's also a delight to see how their parents react when yeah. they realize, oh my goodness, my child not only won this contest, but he or she can be part of this enormous community of blind and low vision adults, all of whom are seeking successful lives, all of whom are here to help. Um, there, are, there are so many resources and that of course is the joy of having a, a, a student actually come to uh, a convention. We have also had winning essayists uh, record their essays for ACB radio. Um, as of this year, I would like very much um, to uh, ping Anthony, Roy and anyone else who will do this when we have our winner. I would really like that student to be featured right away as, as follow-up to the contest. And then what I'd really like to do is check in with that person a year or two later and say, hi, uh, what are you writing now? What, what, what movies are you enjoying now? Uh, what else is going on in your life? We, we didn't start that process. And so it's been more difficult and challenging to track our former contest winners, but this would be a very good direction um, for us to head. Let me pause for a minute and allow Jason or Joel or Carl or, or Sheila or anybody to help me fill any little blanks that I've missed uh, because I, I don't want to leave out any crucial information. Susan, I just uh, wanted to share, you know, a little bit more information on, on the DCMP side of things. Um, sure. He is, is <clears throat> excuse me, is totally free, um, funded by the Department of Education. So teachers, parents, and others um, working with um, students with disabilities qualify to use the material for free. So um, this contest has been just you know, phenomenal for us in, in many ways. Number one, it helps us to get the word out about our existence and um, about the, the use of description in an educational setting. 
Um, so we definitely are um, excited that through this contest, we are connecting with you know, more teachers and, and students and parents and the like. Um, but also, you know, getting this feedback from the students um, has, has helped us as we work with our partners and um, yeah. uh, provide this, this description. It's, 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 it's very interesting to get that feedback from the students and, and helps us inform of, of ways that we need to tweak our internal processes and whatnot. So it's, uh, we, we're just so thrilled to be, to be a part of it. And, and Jason, one of the things that I, I think is fair to say came out of that is that we realized we needed to teach the students a little bit about what we meant by critiquing the audio description. And that's when we started talking about, well, you know, being very specific about uh, what did you like about this phrasing? What did you like about, because students weren't always aware of the, and, and I wasn't aware of it myself until I really thought about it. The challenge for a describer, how do you get a few words in very quickly? And how do you describe, how do you uh -huh. decide right. of all the visual information available, what is most important and must take priority? And I don't think that's something until, you know, we really think about that deeply that we understand. And especially if you're a child, you know, that's an opportunity to start thinking about that, that process yourself. Um, and I, you know, when I was teaching college students, I had my students write descriptions of undescribed movies, and then they had to write essays talking about their process. And I think it'd be really neat to have someday a contest where, where um, children who have some sight um, have an opportunity to describe a film for a peer and talk about what that's like. Yes. And I think in, in, in a, in a mixed in classroom, yes. yeah, you know, in a mixed classroom setting, you could have this really fun partnership going on. I just want to add to Jason's point how easy it is. There's also, I think, seven or 8,000 free videos. You don't have to belong to the service. You can still access a number that's of free videos and you can do it whether on your Apple TV player, your iPhone, on the internet. So it's very easy to access and people should take advantage of it. I saw one the other day just for fun. I was playing with it and I saw a clip on Helen Keller with Ann Sullivan. You know, and that's kind of cool to see. Wow. Yeah, that is, yeah. yeah I'm going to have to go and look for that. Yeah. You know, to your point, Susan, I, um, I set out to watch with my partner a movie, Walk to Remember. Uh, that I had saw when I was cited, and I found myself providing audio description um, addition because it just wow. was, it was it was bad. There was a whole you know the whole opening scene is is an accident that happens in a quarry, and you get two lines of description, and there's not a lot of dialogue or anything. It's not like they didn't have the time to give us what we needed, so I had mm -hmm. to fill in for for my partner Gabe what was going on because the description was was bad. It it wasn't. You know, and, and I know Roy is working tirelessly on getting, you know, quality as his audio description project, of course, um, you know, getting quality audio description that really gives us what we need. And to your other point, I'd love to invite all of the first place winners, as well as the grand prize winners, maybe their parents and teachers on to Sunday edition after uh, after the awards are announced and, and we can follow up that way. I know this year everything is virtual. So the experience of actually standing at a lectern and having that beautiful moment, the clapping and stuff is is unfortunately gonna be postponed, hopefully. Let's knock on some wood to mm -hmm. Omaha in 2022. Mm -hmm. But um, let's uh, let's have them all on, on Sunday edition and give them a moment here at That's least. That's great. 
That's great, that, Anthony. That That'd would be, be spectacular, Anthony. Um, yeah. We're trying to go. Uh, last year, we had 47 entries and the representation of seven or eight states, but we need all 50 states involved oh, yeah. here. And, oh, yeah. And this is, a, this is the kind of work we need to do to make that happen. And shout out to everybody listening. If you have ideas and suggestions for us of other ways we can promote things that you would like to help do to promote the Beatty contest in your communities, let us know. Cause you know, we, we're, we all need, we all need more ideas. We're all working on this together. So, but thanks so much, Anthony. That's terrific. Yeah. Anthony, okay, let's I, hope I, I, sure, I just wanted to jump in for a second, just to emphasize to all of your listeners, if you know parents of kids who are blind, if you know kids who are blind, let them know March 15th is the deadline for submitting. You don't have to be in a school necessarily. Just uh, go to uh, uh, Batty, I say Batty, Beatty Contest, B-A-D-I-E Contest.org and fill out that very simple entry and write that review for us. I wanted to emphasize as well, uh, if I may, just for a second, this idea of uh, description, of course, builds literacy, just as captions do. People see captions, people hear description. It it helps build uh, a sense of literacy, an awareness mm -hmm. of what words do and how important language is. Well, listening to description and and asking people to do that and write a little bit about it is is really quite important. I think it helps kids not just listen, but listen critically. Why does the description work for this particular video? Or maybe it doesn't work as well as compared to something else. And the other yeah. thing I would add to that simply, you know, my background is in live theater and, and media. Uh, I've been an equity actor for 40 some years. And how did I even know about theater and wanting to do theater and drama and all of the excitement of that. Well, just like any other endeavor, I was exposed to it early on. I went to plays with my parents when I was just the kid uh, and, and into to my teen years and such. And, and that's where the love of theater and that attraction built, yes. grew up. And what, you know, you, you look around and you, well, how come there aren't more people with low vision, people who are blind, like Marley Talkington, involved in film, involved in theater? Well, had they been exposed to it more often as kids, I think you would see more of that. And I think I had a great talk with Marley about this. I think the more description we have, especially exposed, exposing kids to description, which exposes them to film and theater, you're going to see an increase in people wanting to be a part of it. Uh, just like Carl uh, did as a sighted youngster, uh, it, it's being exposed to film and, and developing that love of film. Yeah, you know, it's it's a good segue. Um, I was thinking as, as Susan was speaking before and, and, and now as you're speaking, I'll, I'm, I'm a huge proponent for literacy and for reading. I'd love to see some sort of partnership um, in the future, maybe where you have students critique the book version, the audio book, and then the movie version and the differences and what worked yeah. and what didn't work, you know, to, to bring it back to reading because reading yep. <laughs> to borrow from, you know, the famous phrase, reading is fundamental. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. That's right. That you say that, I actually took a class in film school called novel into film where there we had, where we had to read the book. Like that too. 
Yeah. We ha we had to read the book first, and then watch the movie and critique both. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And and by the way, just getting back to something Susan mentioned, I actually did a workshop some years ago uh, at one of the the conventions where uh, I did a, a a workshop, a primer on what audio description is, maybe an hour, something like that, in the morning and in the afternoon. I worked in the afternoon. I worked with the um, uh, siblings, the sighted siblings of kids who were blind training them as describers if you will That's i mean a real great. quick real quick little and and we worked on we did a little practicum we worked on a couple of excerpts and then in the evening the whole family came back together and the sighted siblings were able to perform their descriptions and the kids who were blind they were empowered because they could say, well, you know, brother, well, gee, sister, uh, that wasn't clear. Can what, 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 what was it that you were actually seeing? What can you help me out with on the description? And it was, it was just a great day uh, focused on description. Hope, hoping to do that again at, at a future uh, ACB convention. You know, this is making me think of, I, I just listened to what you said, Joel, and to what Anthony said. We could even have uh, a literacy workshop at the convention like that, if we if we wanted to, um, if we knew ahead of time, or, or if we knew there was a book and a movie that kids were involved in, we could. And you know, there it, it, not only are there blind kids at our conventions, but there are their siblings who participate in the in the youth programs yeah. during the day. It yeah. would be really fun to build that kind of an activity into the kids' week, and I don't see why we couldn't do that. I know a lot of teachers, you know, use Charlotte's Web and Narnia, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, et cetera. You know, one of those would be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I, just, I, just purposes... read the, I just read the children's book, Hidden Figures, because I saw the audio-described film. Mm. Yes. It was a children's okay. Book. That was a children's book for fourth to seventh graders that what Hidden Figures, and the movie was based on that. Yes. So that, yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to do the show today was, you know, the March 15th deadline. Uh, we want to get it out there to as many people as possible. So hopefully you guys can take some of the sound bites from this show and turn it into something that you can send out to teachers um, and other organizations, etc. So I know, Susan, you brought one of the essays. Would you mind reading it for us. And then afterwards, sure. if the rest of you guys would take a minute to speak directly to the teachers and students as to, you know, why they should be a part of this contest and be a part of the Audio Description Pro Project and ACB. Susan, take it away. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? I needed to put down my telephone. You uh, sound so great. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm actually going to pull a switcheroo on you, Anthony. I'm going to read last year's winning essay. Um, rather than the, the, the one from uh, uh, Abigail. This one is by Mina L. Lamara. And uh, she was our 2020 grand prize winner. First place in the junior category, ages 11 to 15. And she reviewed the video Curiosity Quest, Guide Dogs. And it, her essay reads as follows. Pardon, I was having a little braille display glitch there. When you walk a dog, oh, let's see. When you walk a dog, you walk it. But can you imagine a dog that walks you? Well, this type of dog is called a guide dog. And a guide dog is trained to guide a blind person so they don't walk into walls or anything else. 
A guide dog will stop before any elevation changes, such as curbs or steps. It will also stop in front of poles and other obstacles. I have always wanted to learn more about guide dogs, like how they are trained. I watched a video called Curiosity Quest Guide Dogs, hoping that some of my questions would be answered. During the film, I was able to access audio description, which is a service for the blind and visually impaired, so they can also understand the visual parts of a movie. The audio description was very helpful. Not only did the service describe the characters in the film, but also their locations and actions. An example would be, quote, Emily and her dog Cherry walk down a curving path, end quote. Something else I really enjoyed and appreciated was whatever words appeared on screen, they were read aloud, such as words appear on the screen, Mary Springfield, president of the National Federation of the Blind. There is only one thing I would give feedback on. In the movie, the dialogue slightly overlapped with the audio description. Other than that, this movie was very descriptive and factual. I sincerely thank DCMP for helping me learn more about one of my interests. That's her essay. Wow, thank you. I, you know, I actually, wow. So let's go backwards, Carl. Why don't uh, give us a minute to talk to the teachers and students why they should be a part of this. Carl? All right, Jason, you go and, and when Carl gets here, we'll let him go. <laughs> sure, absolutely. You know, one of the one of the interesting things that we've learned is um, the number the number of individuals out there who don't know about description. And and this is, you know, everything from um, a mainstream teacher who might have a student um, who is blind or visually impaired, you know, in their classroom for the first time. Um, that's, you know, maybe is a little bit more understandable, but but even TVIs and, and even down to the students, as as Susan said, we've, you know, we've learned from um, reading these essays that some of the expectations that the students had, um, you know, conflicted with the, the way audio description is um, is produced. They were expecting uh, information about non non visual uh, information, um, you know, and and so I think it's critical to get the word out so that so that the the uh, teachers of these students um, know about description, and then everything that that the the panel has discussed the uh, improvements in literacy, um, not only um, opening their eyes to uh, what's what's being presented that way, but then also being able to craft that and and writing the essay. You know, across the board, it's just a it's a win win. And yeah, I'll you guys have really thought of everything. And I, I'll just, I'm so impressed. Carl, go ahead. I'll just add, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I'll just add to Jason in that the reason why it's important to teach young people about audio description is because so much about what we learn about around us culturally is done visually. So a lot of young people learn things visually, you know, a shake of the head or other thing, you know, I'll give you an example. I tell them confused why everybody's talking about Bernie Sanders wearing his gloves in a chair at the mm -hmm. Capitol, but everybody's talking. So a lot of what we learn how to do 
in our lives, how we interact with people, how we um, equate to people is done visually and audio description can teach us those things. And it also allows young people and adults to act on the same level as their peers, say, when you go to work and they're all talking about the latest episode of Breaking Bad, did you see that episode of where, so we both learn culturally how to act and interact with our peers, but we also learn through education visually what's going on in the world around us. And that's why audio description is extremely important. If, if, I, could just, if, if I could just jump in too, um, sure. when, when I was reading the essay, I was thinking, if, if I were teaching a class and I were gonna have my students enter this contest, and this is assuming that I had enough time in my curriculum and the state wasn't saying you have to do X, Y, Z and everything else, um, I might show the class Curiosity Quest, and then I would say, let's look at this essay. What do you what do you think about what was here? And then just because I want more and more of the videos to be watched, I might restrict, okay, you can't enter that one. You've got to go try a different one because there's so much out there. Um, but getting the students involved in looking at the models um, would be a real helpful part of the process too. Yeah. Dr. Snyder? Well, I'll, you know, I, I wanted to pick up on, on something Carl said about the importance of knowing what's going on in this visual world that we all live in. Um, and two perspectives on, on audio description with respect to that idea. Um, audio description is typically an add-on, a post-production activity. Uh, the film is made, I dare say most filmmakers don't have a clue as to what audio description is about. I've actually had that conversation with people like uh, Woody Allen and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. And, you know, they were a little, uh, <laughs> a little fuzzy on what I was talking about because it happens after they're done to a great extent. It's an add-on. and But if it's done correctly, if it's done well, if it's done sparingly, it can be something that sighted people can enjoy because as as you know sighted people like me and jason you know we we see but don't necessarily observe and audio description helps us notice things that we might not typically notice the first time around so having that add on sure there are lots of people that go they turn it on accidentally on their television and they're like whoa 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 where's that voice coming from telling me what i can see what what is that and fcc gets complaints about that how do i turn this thing off but if it's done well it shouldn't be noticed again the the tv program the the film is the star really the description can be an assist and then I'll, I'll go beyond that and say, why is it necessarily an add-on, you know, so that there's one version with and one version without? If we can educate the filmmakers of the world so that mm -hmm. what they produce is inherently accessible, uh, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? You, 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 a person who uses a wheelchair uh, you, know, you know, they need to get into a building and it's, it's got a, this, this huge flight of steps well, okay, you can't tear the building down, or, but you can add a ramp. But if the building was designed with a ramp, the, the disability goes away. They're no longer mm -hmm. disabled. Uh, they're just yeah. simply able to enter it like anybody else, uh, inconspicuously, just like everybody else is doing. And in the same way, 
maybe film can be constructed in a way so that it just comes part and parcel with captions, uh, with with sign, with audio description, and and is already accessible from the get go. I think it it can be an aesthetic innovation, if you will, uh, and a and a new way of thinking about film and and video. Yeah, I I was thrilled, thrilled, thrilled a couple of months ago when um, NBC and uh, Days of Our Lives had uh, put the first audio description in a soap opera. And I've been working <laughs> for a long time to get the four remaining soap operas. As, as my listeners know, I also do a soap opera podcast every other Thursday night. <laughs> um, and I've been working long to have the four. So this first one is going to make it a lot easier to uh, to lobby CBS and um, ABC for the other three. But that's a digression. But I'm very, very proud that the group that I'm working with got uh, got Days of Our Lives to recognize. And, and they've done a lot of uh, interesting stuff, digital shorts, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. they're really leading the charge. Um, I wanted to a, I got a question through email for the show that I wanted to put out. Um, one of you guys or a few of you, if you could step up, my um, my listener wanted to know why in audio description are physical characteristics not really not mentioned often i.e <laughs> a person who may be large or a person's um background and or uh you know physical characteristics such as skin color and and things i'll, I'll jump in on that um i think um i i would take issue with um the notion that the physical characteristics are not um uh, often described i think they are when with time available um the first thing that people need to know you know we talk about um audio description developing and and understanding he points to his head and an appreciation his hand is on his heart of the visual image well that understanding translates into to knowing about action so action is probably the first priority. What exactly is going on here? Um, if at time available, absolutely, you want to be able to to know the physical characteristics of people talking because that's what you know sighted people. It 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 influences their uh, feelings about that particular character if they know what the person looks like. Now, having said that. Again, there's there's such limited time available, and one way around that, of course, is if if film, we're working on this, is filmmakers would maintain website pages about their film where people could go and get an extended description. Yeah, uh, and, and and like like reading a libretto before you go to the opera, you know, you read yes. the description before you go to the film, and then you get a lot of that material. This happens regularly in live theater. You have pre-show notes and intermission notes and such, so you could get all of that there. But at the same time, uh, we get the question all the time uh, with respect to well. Uh, blind people can, I mean, rather sighted people can see that that person is African-American or this person here is Korean-American. Why don't you say that? Why don't you say that? If you ask a person who's blind, what do you want to know about what's going on visually? The answer invariably is everything. And that's, <laughs> makes sense. Unfortunately, that's not possible given the nature of description and how it's typically and traditionally done. So part of being a good describer is making those judgments. What is most important? What's most critical? 
to that understanding and appreciation of the film. And um, race in particular is a social construct in my humble opinion. Uh, if I look at somebody who has dark skin, I don't really know if they're African-American or if they're uh, from Jamaica or perhaps someplace in South America, it's difficult to pin race down. I think if it's safer to go with dark skin or uh, 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 other characteristics that will help people. And of course, it's oftentimes mentioned within the film. Um, in a film like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, uh, you have to mention the fact yeah. <laughs> that Sidney Poitier is a black man and and Catherine uh, 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 Hepburn and Spencer Tracy are white. That's the whole, that's the essence. So that goes to an understanding. It's critical in that particular film to know that there is a difference in skin color. But getting into race is a tricky, tricky thing. Uh, uh, real quickly, you know, I taught description for a month, a full month in three different cities in South Africa. And when I was in Cape Town, a one of the white students in the class raised his hand. We were we were getting into this topic and he said, well, you know, I've, I'm born here in South Africa. I'm native South African. I am an African. If I go to the United States and become a naturalized citizen, wouldn't I be African-American? And he's right. He would be. He'd be African-American, but not in the context that we usually use that phrase. That's just the uh, gives you a sense of the difficulty in in yeah. trying to uh, assign race at times. So I, I, I ask describers, the writers of description to take care with that and to really think about what's what's most important to describe. And so, so I want to jump in quickly on the educational piece. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. we've talked a lot about um, films and entertainment productions and some of the issues like settings and, and um, the, the, the character traits and, and whatnot um, can become those, those important elements. Um, on, on educational productions, of course, you've got this curricular goal. You're trying to teach a student um, something. If, if, if a, a professor is standing in front of a, a class and is mixing beakers, you know, it's much more important to, to know um, you know, the, the label on those beakers and, and the color change that might be occurring as part of the, the um, chemical reaction, as opposed to a description of the, the classroom or, or what the teacher looks like. The teacher looks it doesn't like, matter. Right, <laughs> yeah, Very it's, good. It, it's definitely a challenge for the script writer to, to prioritize and to decide, um, you know, what is the most important thing to include in this production. And there certainly is not enough time for everything. We, um, I, I'm Sunday edition is uh, uh, very honored to have as a friend to the show, Mr. Roy Samuelson. I know that he wanted to ask a question of the panel. So, Roy, are you hey, ready? Thanks so much. You're <laughs> sure. Uh, you got me? Great. So, uh, you, yeah. to Joel's point, it's wonderful to hear about this extended description and how the uh, the entertainment industry, specifically trailers, are having extended description. There's a few episodes of the uh, the podcast that are going to come out with uh, some favorite series and shows that are really getting into the details, specifically some of the uh, science fiction or the the animated films, as well as uh, I think I just saw on uh, social media there was a, a, a series that had a writer uh, go into detail, just writing out here's the context, and it's wonderful to hear Joel talk about that and how great it is that all these things are evolving. And the question relates to that. With the uh, 
<laughs> I think I read somewhere it's that the uh, the disability market is a one billion dollar market segment of consumers. That what we're doing here, both on the audience side as well as the talent side, are grooming professionals in this industry. And I think about my experience as a, a voice talent and how those cultural experiences are bringing me to the place where I can I can be a part of this community. And I just want to, first of all, applaud everyone that's involved in the team for uh, the babies that are planting these seeds for more professionals in the disability side to, to grow their talents, whether it's uh, learning more about audio description as a writer and uh, an advisor or a critic. So the question is, are there any alliances with streaming services or studios that uh, the babies can reach out to, specifically since the entertainment industry seems to really start to embrace performers with disabilities on a, a ton of panels in the last several years? So again, the question is, any alliances with streaming services or studios? Carl, you might want to step up on that one. Um. Well, so the audio description project is continuing to build relationship with some of the streaming services. Um, and we haven't quite figured out everything that we need to build into that. So that's a good suggestion, Roy. And we will um, take that and, and put it to our use. We haven't quite decided how we're just in the early days of building our relationship with streaming services and studios and things like that. So it, it's still the wild, wild west and we still have a ways to go, but that is something <laughs> we should consider. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Jason? Thanks for your answer, Carl. I don't, I don't really want to give specifics at this point in time. So we're just building sure. relationships and we're moving forward. Thanks for your answer. Jason, anything from your side of things? You know, again, our, our focus is entirely on um, the educational content piece. And, um, you know, we, we, we are a streaming provider um, of this educational content. So we don't really have much connection with um, the, the theatrical side, unless that content, um, uh, you know, is, is, is literature-based, that type of thing. So um, we're, we're, our partners are the, the educational um, content creators. Which, which is another important, um, obviously another important um, outreach effort. And it's it's definitely something that we saw with, with captioning, um, you know, captioning of educational content did not start happening in mass until consumers demanded it, until uh, schools and others said, you know, we will not buy your product if it is, if it is not captioned. And, um, you know, until the same thing happens on the, the description side of things, um, similarly, uh, producers, you know, uh, at least on the educational market, we've seen, you know, don't have, um, it, it's hard to get the buy-in because they don't, they don't see the market uh, benefit at that point. Yeah. You know, to Roy's point, um, I come from an intersectionality of LGBTQ and, and of course now um, no vision, um, but in various forms of advocacy before I lost my sight, you know, we often, you know, we often had to come to the table with well, hey, you know, the LGBTQ population spends XXXXX per your market share, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, you need to work in diversity. You need to work in to your marketing or whatever, you know, whatever form of advocacy we were taking at that time. And, you know, our dollar power um, 
you know, as as a blind and low vision community, it does actually mean something. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna give our money, let's say to Netflix every every month, then we should be well. Netflix is a great company, actually, as far as audio description is concerned. But you get what I mean. Um, on that note, Byron, I know that we have some people in the waiting room. So if we have hands, if people want to join the conversation, and while Byron is taking a look at that, I did want to give the opportunity for you guys, um, ADP-wise, to also talk about the Audio Description Awards. Oh, sure. Uh, Anthony, let me just jump in on this most recent uh, uh, discussion. Uh, we talk about the economic buying power of people who are blind or people with disabilities. Uh, you know, the most recent data that's published on the American Foundation for the Blind's website, taken from government statistics, is that there are over 32 million people who are either blind or the language used is have trouble seeing even with correction. So call, call that low, call that low vision, if you will, 32 million, that's add their friends, add their family, add people with on the autism spectrum, add people with learning disabilities, add people who are learning another language or learning English rather, you know, you've got a significant over 10% of the population and that is significant and the filmmakers, the industries need to really realize that and uh -huh. understand that it's, it's not just that it's the right thing to do it's the profitable thing to do and and on that point i'll just i'll simply add uh, roy mentioned trailers uh being described well uh i've had a couple of conversations with uh, a fellow that uh, really jumped in and just started doing this on his own kensuki i'm forgetting ken's last name but um very sharp guy, kind of self-trained in description. He began developing description for trailers that are out there. We need to see the industry hiring people like Ken uh, to do it from the get-go for the industry, because, uh, you, you know, we shouldn't have to rely on fan description, if you, if you will, you know, fan yes. subbing is the, is the term used for folks that will just uh, voluntarily do subtitles for something that's inaccessible because it's in the wrong language or whatever. Well, the, the industry needs to pick up on that and provide those descriptions for trailers, for movies, do the extended description, et cetera. We need to, uh, we need to deputize Roy Samuelson and you can be our audio description project uh, uh, advocate in LA or something. Maybe that's what we need to do. <laughs> Roy, it's already like happening, Joel. There you go. See, we didn't even have to do anything official. That's why we love Roy. See that? All right, so um, Dr. Snyder and Carl, tell us about the audio description awards. I'm going to let Joel t tell you about that. Oh, well, sure. it, that's one of the projects that uh, the, the one of the initiatives, I should say, that the audio description project uh, uh, is, is involved with. Most people know us about the website, which is marvelous. It's the go to place for audio description uh, information. I don't think we've mentioned the website address, acb.org slash ADP. Uh, Fred Brack is our top-notch webmaster and keeps it up-to-date and informed on everything with regard to media, certainly, and performing arts and museums. Uh, so we do that. We do conferences uh, on description. We do the, the, the Beatty program. We do the Audio Description Awards, which uh, every year 
since uh, 2010 now, I guess it is, uh, we recognize the achievements in media, achievements in performing arts, achievements in uh, museums. Uh, we also have a category for uh, uh, international work because audio description is all around the world. I did a survey a couple of years ago with the World Blind Union. Some 70 countries now do something with description. So we we honor uh, folks who are doing uh, great work with description in other countries. And then we have the uh, Margaret Fanstiel Memorial uh, Audio Description Achievement Award in Research and Development. Uh, which is so important. Uh, you know, in Europe, audio description is studied as an academic discipline. And my PhD is from the university in Barcelona. You can't do that in this country. But in Europe, it's studied as a kind of audiovisual translation. And people, because subtitles are so frequent in, in movies in Europe and, and in other countries. So people study description, they do research projects, and they come up with developments like, for instance, the, the kind of thing Spectrum Access does, whereby you can download an audio description track to an app that listens to the movie as it's being played, and it gets yeah. synced. You know, that's the kind of research and development. There are lots of other things going on. So that's an award we make. And then our, our top award each year is the Barry Levine Memorial um, Career Achievement award and um, we we get a lot of nominations uh, we it's a tough choice to make sometimes you know who that year is really uh, deserving if you will of that kind of acknowledgement and and recognition who's who's really spent their lives uh, their careers working in description and making all kinds of breakthroughs in description and uh, all of our award winners are listed on the website it's it's referred to as our honor roll the adp honor roll again that's at uh, acb.org adp and our next deadline ah i should call it up here is in may uh, if I'm not mistaken, I will call it up here just to be certain. Uh, but uh, the, the next round will be announced. The winners in the next round will be announced uh, at the virtual uh, audio description. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the virtual ACB conference held in July. So here we go. I'm looking at the website. So uh, it is our 13th annual audio description project awards. And uh, you can look for information on the website. The, we, we list uh, all of the award winners there. And uh, we ask for nominations by May 9th. So there's a form there you can fill out online, actually, and um, nominate people that you know of that are working, doing great work with audio description. May 9th is the deadline. Oh. There's definitely a nomination I want to make. I won't say any names, but um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you'll be getting a nomination from me. Oh, so, well. Byron, <laughs> do we have any hands raised yet? So I don't see any hands raised, but I will go over kind of the instructions on how one can do that. If there's anyone there who doesn't know how to raise their hand and they want to kind of get in on this conversation, um, Alt-Y on a PC will raise and lower your hand. Um, and then on a Mac... Option Y will raise and lower your hand. And if you're calling in on a phone, star nine will raise and lower your hand. I did have one comment that I would like to make. Um, sure. As a consumer of audio description, well, first of all, my first experience with audio description was with a movie called Alien. 
I'm a big sci-fi fan. And (laughs) so I was like 12 years old watching Alien. And I was like, oh, my God, this is great that there's a tentacle slithering on the floor (laughs) in the darkness behind the uh, crew's boot steps. As they're walking down the corridor, you could see a tentacle creeping along in the darkness. And I never would have noticed that. I just would have totally missed it. And I was hooked ever since. Uh, and I've been consuming audio description, you know, as, as often as I possibly can, starting with getting, you know, mono uh, VHS tapes, you know, from the from the library, uh, just, just because I wanted to hear the audio description. But um, one of the things that's frustrating about audio description right now is... You know, all of the newest movies, for the most part, are described, and that's awesome. But there are so many awesome movies from the from the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, even further back. You know, the further back you go, it seems like the less description is available. The older the movie, the harder it is to find it described. And um, there's one movie in particular that I got so tired of waiting for an audio description track for that I just did it myself. There's a movie by Weird Al Yankovic called UHF. And it's not described. I know that was the movie, Mr. Byron. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So I just I just sat down, watched the movie, wrote a script, um, figured out how to do the the audio ducking and mixing and stuff in, in Audacity and I just made my own audio description track. Um, yeah. Where yeah. can we see that? No, um, no, I, have, <laughs> I do have it to available. That point, I could certainly oh, give it to ahead, people. Brian, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I, I was just saying I do have that available, and I can certainly give that to, to people who ask if they if they want to check it out. Right. That that right. Yeah. Contact you um, privately because that's not something. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. To that point, I'm, um, I think I've told this uh, in some of the workshops that BPI does with audio description, but my sister is hooked. She can get her housework done. She can monitor <laughs> my nephew while he's in school and have audio description and not have to actually be sitting in front of the there screen. And mm-hmm. and it has revolutionized her life, she says. Um, well, and, that, I, and I you know- yeah, that's that's exactly a sighted person can be in the kitchen making a sandwich while the TV's on in the living room and you don't miss a beat. And yep. and indeed we're we're pursuing anew this notion of audio films, audio description, films that are audio described. You can take the audio track and just play it as an MP3 file in your car when you're on a long car ride or commuting or when you're at the gym. It's a great thing for sighted people. And again, this they in Canada they tried that uh, back in the uh, 80s and early 90s on audio cassettes. Remember those? Uh, and and they had limited success because they could only do it with public domain films. And uh, speaking to Byron's uh, point, um, we're we're working on trying to get funding to as special projects to do as many uh, public domain films as possible, make sure those available private individuals. I have a private individual came to me and said, you know, Citizen Kane has never been audio described. We're developing that as a private commission for this guy. Actually, Citizen Kane has has been audio described by WGBH. You know, I couldn't find it. I'm going to, I'll talk to you off uh, offline uh, about that. For Tona Classic Movie. I do have a question. But I don't know that it's available and. Uh, publicly in any way. I don't don't think But anyway, I I also wanted to say Netflix is exploring an option for Android users. That's right. Where they just uh, released a new version of their app where you can play an audio version of the film. So it is our hope 
that that'll enhance audio description for sighted users. So we'll see what happens there. I do have a question about private commissions because I would love to get into doing private commissions for people, you know, amateur description. Um, and I know there are things like you describe exactly, um, and yeah. there's describe-a-thons and stuff. But as far as copyrighted material, one of the problems is that you can release the, you can release the description track. You know, right. that, that belongs to you. You wrote it. But you can't release the audio of the commercial right, release. Right. Is there is there an app sort of Spectrum. similar to Spectrum Access where you can make your own audio descriptions that will sync with the copyrighted material so that you could distribute yeah. that stuff? Well, that uh, oh, go ahead. The, the studios would argue they pay for the audio description; they own it. So let's be very careful here. I don't want to Edward build them. Well, yeah. I just want to be careful here. More, moreover, moreover, uh, they own the audio of the right. film. I mean, to just listen to the audio description without the audio track of the film is not going to be very helpful. Right. Um, so that's why we have to keep pressing industry to understand the need and the uh, uh, the uh, advantage to them to do description. Um, there are, sure, there are websites out there which will remain nameless uh, where you can download ripped audio tracks from DVDs, the original audio plus an audio description, and and they're used as a way to draw people to the website. Um, and in my humble opinion, not being an entertainment lawyer, uh, you're, you're, you're getting really close into uh, violating copyright laws because, again, the film company, they own the original audio. Now, with something like you describe, which uh, uh, Dr. Josh Mealy developed at the Smith Kettlewell Center in San Francisco, yeah, you can go online and take uh, YouTube videos, for instance, and and match description with it and download a described version of that particular video. But I think the better way to go is to work with industry and make sure they're adding those tracks in there as often as possible and making it available, making it available as audio films. And you don't have to then go to a site where clearly something's been ripped off of a DVD and um, the audio quality is not good and et cetera, et cetera. Back to Byron's point earlier, though, is is has there ever been an effort to explore within ADP, you know, approaching these companies about back catalog and saying, you sure. know, hey, this is something that we, you know, we really need and want. Couldn't we work with universities, let's say, that have film, you know, film schools and, and so on and so forth. And so we could do the legwork. All you need to do is give us the permission. Yep. And hey, this is going to enhance your revenue. And hey, you might even be able to then sell this to sighted folks who yep. like my sister want to you know make dinner and and supervise my you know my nephew's education and and you know watch citizen kane or yep. uh you know i don't know uh, let's say gone with the wind i'm sure that's what sure. i'll describe yeah. but you know some of these movies that people really you know really want to experience it's just not on the radar screen. Uh, well, I want to give it's not as much as it should right. be. Uh, but one example, and then I'll let Carl. One example is is uh, Shout Factory. Some years back, decided to experiment with it and had the rights to uh, to distribute the 30th anniversary DVD of the Miracle Worker, where um, you had Patty Duke playing Annie Sullivan, and. Yeah. Um, the uh blanking out on the actress's name who played helen keller uh so they commissioned the Ambassador. description 
no, no, no. And and uh, no, she did. Uh, she did Annie Sullivan in the original. Okay. But I can't remember the. Uh, anyway, um, they commissioned the description and and then they released it as a DVD. We need to see a lot more of that out there. Uh, just coming from industry and 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 the the odd thing too is that you know shout factory is thinking like oh the miracle worker well we have to describe that as though people who are blind that's the only movie they want to watch is the miracle worker yeah come on that's just ridiculous <laughs> yeah you know so we we need to see it uh, out uh, there much more broadly I, but to I, the I, point it would be wonderful to involve film schools and and to really yes. kind of you know Good work point. this into the you know into the lexicon of of filmmaking in, in the point. United States. You bet. I'm, go ahead, Carl. I do want to give Paramount Studio some credit because they did go back and describe, audio describe 150 titles of their back catalog, which included yep. movies like Back to the Future and, you know, from the 80s and other, The Godfather and things like that. So Paramount Studio did describe 150 back catalog. Now, you're absolutely right. Not enough studios are doing it, and it would be nice to see. Um, you know, and maybe when we get to the point where everything that comes out today is audio described, we can go back and do. We should. I'm. It. It. A work in progress. That's all I'll say. And just to just to draw a point, the audio description project website does have listings of all of the audio described. Oh yeah programming yeah. that you can find so if there is a question um i would like to know if tootsie but you know with dustin hoffman <laughs> is audio described i would go to the adp website and check it out carl sure. do you happen to know by the way if tootsie is audio described i do not know um, uh, i'll look it up right now but it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting that a gay lover of audio uh, soap operas would like that. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, there's another one, Soap Dish, with Miss Whoopi Goldberg and Miss Sally Field. If no, that I'm, is not audio described, it should be. No, I'm not. And Tootsie is a great film. It is, and I don't find uh, that or soap dish in there uh, just so, now using the search mechanism that we have. But, uh, you know. That those two, along with uh, uh, a couple other hundred thousand films, the the, the first um, Tales of the Cities, uh, Tales of the City, Amistad Yeah, that was fun. That was really that fun. was great. Um, yes, you know, it was. One, one thing I just wanted to bring up is you know because uh, because um, Doctor Snyder was looking up a movie to see if whether or not it was described. We have you know a great resource in the audio description project for searching for movies to see if they're described. Uh, but but I'm I'm sure That's as you're what well I was aware, saying, Mr. Byron, <laughs> as I'm sure That's you're right. well aware, right. e even with a resource like that, there have been so many movies described in the past that have gone uncategorized because they were you know they were described in the 90s and yeah. you know it's kind of drifted into the uh far reach far reaches of our minds like oh yeah that was described wasn't it and it's not cataloged just because it was done so long ago and nobody remembers that yeah. it was done so well, also, like, you, we don't necessarily know what's being right. done in the uk mm -hmm. in canada this is right Pretty much what's or, being done here in the United States. Or, or, or it was sure. done in the 90s, and it was described, and it was made available, and it's no longer available anywhere. So even if even if it has been described and is on one of those um, websites that shall remain nameless, 
you can't necessarily always add it to ADP's list of described tracks no, because right. it's not commercially that's right. available. That's right, exactly. Yeah, and would, that's they, perfect because I have a question coming in from a listener about okay. exactly that. Um, is there a way for our members to advocate for other countries that have audio described something? Hold, I'm sorry, hold on. Other countries that have audio described something to be allowed to be used in the United States. So this is sorry, I'm. I would ahead. love to see, and I'm going to use the word Marrakesh because many listeners That's will right. know what the Marrakesh Treaty is, where there was a treaty among many countries around the world to share uh, copyrighted material for library materials, mainly books. And I would love yep. for their there to be a universal agreement to the share to share audio description files, especially with the world of dreaming now. Um, it should be easier than ever to be able to pull down nine, ten different languages that are audio described. Apple, yeah. when, Apple TV Plus, when they release a product on their streaming services that's audio described in nine languages. So why not have all the streaming services? and DVD manufacturers, it would be hard to do with broadcast TV, but why not have all the streaming services and DVD manufacturers, when they get, acquire a title, get all the audio description versions, and then not put a geo lock on them, make them available for wherever anybody is watching them. Yeah. And I think one of yeah. the ways to do that is to maybe advocate through the audio description project, but also with the World Blind Union, and let them know this is a big deal because yep. they represent blind citizens around the world. Yeah, we need a Marrakesh Treaty for media, basically. Yes. Case in, case in point, last year's Best Picture Award winner. Best Picture yes, Award Mr. winner. Yes, Mr. Snyder. Parasite. Parasite was <laughs> not described in the United States. And not it needed description, of course, because it's a wonderful visual experience, but it had subtitles because it was all in Korean. So a good audio description voices those subtitles and then maybe another voice or however they do it uh, also provides description of action. It wasn't done in the United States. And I took the initiative, but I knew it was being done in the UK and took the initiative to contact the uh, company that did the description and the owner of the rights for distribution in the UK, we got permission to get the audio track of the film with the audio description, and we made that available as a highlight of the ACB convention. Um, and that worked real well, but you know, that was a kind of a, a one-off and we shouldn't have to do that. It should be freely available no, as Carl's absolutely. talking about. You know. I want to put a pin in this just for one moment. Jason, um, I want to thank you so much for participating today. And I know that your time is valuable. So if you have any final thoughts on Beatty or anything that you want to, to uh, put out to the listeners, I wanted to just give you an opportunity. Sure. I uh, just would like to share. Uh, I know um, Joel and Susan shared the contest uh, URL, which is uh, BeattyContest.org. Um, the general DCMP uh, URL is dcmp.org. And again, um, teachers, parents, uh, anyone who has a connection with a student uh, with a disability who needs access to accessible educational content, um, fill out a short enrollment form and you get access to, uh, to the content. So we're, you know, our whole mission is um, to increase the, the volume of educational content that's accessible and used in the schools. And, uh, you know, hopefully some of the listeners here will um, be in those categories and, and uh, 
become members of DCMP, we'd be happy to serve them. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And like I said, I am the show will go to podcast form shortly after after we finish today. So if you'd like oh, to take pieces of this and use it uh, to promote, please feel free. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Doctor. So you're welcome, Doctor Snyder. Yeah, uh, tell <laughs> I, I wanted to just add first, just also add my thanks to Jason uh, because the partnership with DCMP has been just marvelous. Uh, he is such a great supporter, advocate of captioning and description. Um, but go ahead and ask your your question, Anthony, and then I wanted to mention a couple of the other uh, initiatives of the the audio description project as well. Well, that's actually sort of the direction I was going in, although I would love to speak with you when the show is finished about something um, we're working on with BPI. But I digress. Sure. Um, tell us how um, how you got uh, the inauguration for ACB Radio, and then please lead into other, um, other ways that our members can advocate with the Audio Description Project on all the things we've been talking about today. Oh, yeah. And call, well, feel free to jump in, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I want to shout out to PBS and to ABC TV because they have been doing description for the inaugurals, the last three inaugurals, uh, at least if I'm remembering correctly, I did the description myself, which is a little bit of a tricky thing to do, extemporaneous description with uh, only minimal material uh, to help prepare. Uh, but um, uh, this year was particularly difficult because it was, for whatever reasons, it was just, I think COVID had the biggest uh, impact on getting things up and running and how are, how is this going to happen? Um, ABC was not able to offer description because of COVID. Uh, NBC un ultimately did, but it was at, like right at the last minute. And finally, working with the um, uh, inaugural committee, um, a description was made available, um, done by a couple of folks that are uh, work with the Audio Description Project. Uh, Martin, Martin Wild, Martin Wild, and, and Bridget. Um, Melton. Melton, Melton, that's right, and and that that seemed to go well. So we we got that going, but we just didn't know about it until the last minute, and that was that was unfortunate. Um, I think uh, what folks need to do is really take some time and study that audio description project website. We have all kinds of contact ad addresses there for industry for the producers of television, of film, that you can contact to let them know uh, you're a part of their audience and their products need to be accessible to you. I mean, that really is the law, it, it, relatively recent interpretation of the Americans with Disabilities Act that that created the, 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 the groundswell in, in having feature films described because the theaters, the movie theaters themselves, had to be accessible. Well, yeah, they can put out ramps, but you know their their programming has to be accessible, and that goes for museums as well, and even performing arts spaces. And so we're we're getting more and more of it. But um, I'm optimistic with the change in administration. 
I'm really optimistic about the possibilities for um, a, a CVAA 2.0, for instance. Uh, Carl can speak to it too. Um, that CVAA is the communica 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which for the first time mandated description for television. Well, you know what? It's only about seven hours a week and only for mm -hmm. nine, broad nine broadcasters. That's less than 1% of all television in the United States. Whereas in the United Kingdom, they're up to about 20% of all description must have, all, all programming must have description. So we need to build that kind of uh, legislation in a revamp of the CVAA, uh, I, I believe. So it's it's time to contact your, your Congress people, your legislators, and make them aware of what audio description is Absolutely. about. Yeah. I am a big proponent of saying, if you can take the time to post something on social media, which I, if, if I say it, I live by it. If I post something on social media, especially politically, I take the time to send an email or um, a communication to my local representative, et cetera, sure. et cetera, et cetera. So if we're doing this for audio description, if we're if we're hitting the the websites and the Facebook pages, et cetera, et cetera, hitting people up on Twitter, then we can take a time take the time to find out who that representative is, who that company. Um, you know, that company person is and send them an email. But I yeah, want to ask yep, Roy, definitely. if you'll step in for a moment uh, here, um, what are you hearing through Kevin's process and through the Facebook page and the other outlets that you're working on? What are you hearing as, as the most, um, you know, the most important and uh, needed pieces for us to advocate for? Uh, Kevin's way has been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and there's some conversations that are going to be happening in the next few uh, few months with various organizations, both in the entertainment industry as well as uh, blind organizations. Specifically, I think a lot of the points that Joel has mentioned are in the ether, that the, the culture in audio description is changing beyond just that very basic binary checkbox. It has audio description into those things that I think Beatty is addressing, into the things that a lot of audiences are becoming. <laughs> One of my friends, Melody, uh, calls herself an audio description snob. I mean, there's been now four or five different podcasts, including Carl and Brian's podcast, Picture This, that all of these conversations are happening and kind of guiding the whole culture. And I can't help but think that as the entertainment industry becomes more aware beyond just performers with disabilities, but audiences with disabilities having an experience in parity with sighted audiences. And that's what I've been advocating for since uh, I first started reaching out. And anything that I can do, it's there's been some wet noodles on the wall that have fallen off, but there's been <laughs> many more that have stuck. <laughs> Did he just call me a wet noodle? You're the I one that stuck. You're the one that stuck, Joel. That's a good one. That's a good one. All I you can know. think of now with that theme in the movie The Apartment with Frederick Murray, where he's making spaghetti through his tennis racket. Oh my god. Roy, we're actually Carl, gonna call it you throw out your podcast. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find your podcasts. Uh I'll let Roy go first. Right. So uh, we're at, um, if you go to theadna.org, if you Google know your narrator, K-N-O-W, yeah. your narrator, 
we've had uh, several of the participants in this particular conversation have their own episodes. <laughs> so uh, it's it's kind of become a masterclass in the behind the scenes of some of the talents that create audio description beyond just the voice talents. Uh, we've had, I think, close to 90 different interviews in the, na- in the last year. Uh, so Know Your Narrator, it's on every uh, podcast platform, sure. including YouTube, yes. where it's got um, transcription. And tell them about the Facebook group real quick, and then Carl can throw out him and Brian. Uh, Facebook group Audio Description Discussion was founded by Kevin and I about maybe two years ago or so. And uh, Kevin is Kevin's way. It's uh, it's really um, uh, honoring his legacy and our collaboration in, in doing the work that we do. And it's a very lively and engaged community of both audiences and experts in audio description. And the conversations are wide ranging and it's really exciting to see all the, all the questions and all the uh, contributions and, and uh, advocacy that's happening there. But there's also other yeah. groups on, on Facebook as well, including the audio description project, which has a great Facebook page as well as yes. uh, uh, here's the transition back to Carl. <laughs> He's got a Facebook page now too. Yeah, we And honestly, want- listeners, if you throw out a question to either one of those two, audio description project or um, audio, um, say it again. Sorry. Audio description um, discussion page. Discussion. Thank you. Yeah. Um, your question will be answered tenfold. There will be, you know, <laughs> multiple answers coming through. They're they're great resources. Carl, you and Brian have a great podcast that I absolutely love. Great. So I'll just call Picture This. It's available on your podcatcher of your choice, Apple Podcast and others. So if you just, now there's a few other episodes called Picture This to do with photography. So type in Picture This, Brian Charlton or Picture This, Carl Richardson, it'll show up. We have a new Facebook page called Picture This Audio Description. So if you put that in, and I would love it if anybody would go and like it. And then also, if you listen to our podcast, I would very much appreciate a five-star rating. And um, Brian and I um, interview different people of different backgrounds. Like we have one in the can now, which will be, and we released our show about every two weeks. We have one in the can now where we interviewed a after-school program that is using audio description to teach high school students about ballet. And that's, <laughs> you know, and wow. but we also do you know, we're going to do wide range. We don't just stick to media. We stick to, we we're going to try to cover a wide range. We interviewed someone from Canada who talked about the academics of audio description, Dr. Deborah Feld. We're going to interview some folks to do with diversity with an audio description in honor of Black History Month in February. So um, it, it, and we would love to get um, thoughts and ideas and maybe even participants for the podcast. So please email us at picturethis.audiodescription at gmail.com. That's picturethis.audiodescription at gmail.com. And like Roy said, there's a lot of great podcasts. I listen to his podcast. I listen to Read My Mind by Thomas Reed. I listen to... Um, uh, there's another one I'm skipping right now. Because Talk my- description to me. Thank you. Talk description is one of my favorites. I love that one. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, the four good podcasts 
Uh, I may be slightly biased to, to which is my favorite, <laughs> but but this for and this is an exciting time and 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 just and I can't stress to the consumers that are listening to we couldn't do any of this without your advocacy. So please reach out to any of us on this call and let us know your thoughts, your concerns, and continue to let wherever you go know about the important, whether it be a museum or a movie theater or you know. It, it we couldn't do it without the consumers on this call. Yeah, Anthony. there is so much to talk about. I want oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to promise from all of you that you will come back. Oh, Carl, of course, I want you and Brian um, in the upcoming weeks to come on and talk about picture this, and maybe you and Kim as uh, Brian and Kim as well. Kim can talk about the committee. Um, Susan, real quick, because we are running out of time. Did you have any last thoughts? And let me thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking about baby, baddie, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we should have a rap that calls it baddie. Somebody should compose a good rap for our contest. I think that'd be really fun. Um, it, it was a delightful panel to be a part of. Thank you, everybody. I've learned so much. And uh, just a reminder that our contest deadline is March 15th. Um, uh, babycontest.org. Go ahead, get those entries in. We really want to feature some wonderful people this year. So thank you all. Anthony, if I can real quickly mention too, another Very program. Very quickly. One other program we do is the Audio Description Institute, a training program for audio describers, yes. including people who are blind, who are audio description consultants. Uh, are This will be the first time we do it virtually, March 1st through the 5th. We're still, we've got plenty of uh, folks signed up for it, but we're, we can accommodate a lot more uh, because we're doing it virtually. So look for that on the ADP website as well, Audio Description Institute, and uh, learn Nothing more about all about the other- Nothing about us without us, yes. That's right, that's right. Right, absolutely. People who are blind can be great consultants on description. They can be great audio editors. They can be great voice talents. And as we go to closing, if you have any questions for any of the panelists and you don't know them directly, yeah. please email the email address that you'll hear in the closing and I will connect everyone. And also next weekend, BPI, Blind Pride International, is having their first ever virtual convention with a lot of great programming, including LGBTQ history with Dr. Eric Marcus. If you have not checked out his podcast, go check that out as well. I'll be back next Sunday with a great show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, on the call for bringing your expertise. Have a great week. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email Celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday 